Our lesson comes out of the book of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Next week, just so you can read ahead, I know I send the sermons out to some people, we're going to do Luke chapter 15, the whole thing. We're not going to read the whole thing, obviously. We're going to look at the highlights of each of the three parables there. We're going to look at the highlights of each parable. Uh, so read all 15, though. Go ahead and read the whole thing to understand what's going on there. Uh, as as uh, Brownie said, you know, praise the Lord for God of second chances, third chances, hundredth chances. And, uh, you know, uh, we see in this here, this story here, this is probably a good story for this week with a lot of stuff that's gone on. Uh, you know, sometimes bad things happen to good people. And what's always the explanation? We live in a fallen world, people. That's just the explanation. Things happen. And that's kind of what Jesus is telling here, us here in the story. Uh, Luke chapter 13, starting at verse 1. They were present at the sea, some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? Because they suffered such things? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Were those 18 of whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think they were worse sinners than all the others who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit from this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let alone this year also until I dig around it, fertilize it, and it bears fruit and it bears fruit well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. All right, the first part of this story, they go together, believe it or not. The first part of this story is Jesus, they're asking what, you know, these Galileans, and Pilate was known for his ruthlessness, and he didn't like the Jews. And so he's known for his ruthlessness, and he doesn't like the Jews, and he did awful things, uh, awful things to him. So these people from Galilee area, the Galilee, uh, Galileans, he comes along, and, and for some reason or another, we have it recorded in history. He does this big massacre. He mixes the blood and he takes it to the there in, with the temple people and, and puts the blood there too. Uh, one of the abominations of the temple. But so we know this in history. We know the other one. We got a recording of the other one in history. The tower fell and killing people. Uh, it was part of the wall of Jerusalem that fell by one of the towers there. And so what Jesus is asking is, did these people suffer because they were worse sinners than other people? And the answer is no. You know, we, we see people all the time, good people. Man, you know, somebody that's living for Christ. And they're a really good person in a car wreck and they die. Or they get cancer, a heart attack, or, or some other terminal illness. And you've got, you got to be thinking to yourself, God, why that person? Do we not? Or, or maybe it's us. 
Maybe it's us. You know, we're going along, we're living our life for God. And as we're living our life for God, something happens to us. We end up with some kind of terminal illness or some other kind of illness or something happens in our family. Something goes along and says, God, was I not living right before you? Was I not doing everything? You know, are you punishing me, God? And the answer is no. We live in a fallen world. Good things, I mean bad things, happen to good people. And sometimes those who are bad, good things continue to happen to. You know, they seem to prosper and stuff. That's just the world we live in. The world is not easy. The world is not fair. If we could get the millennials to understand that, we would be a better set of people in this world. The world is not fair. And what happens is not fair. And that's what Jesus is telling these people. No, they were just people. Some of them were probably good. Some of them probably weren't good. Some of them probably believed in God. Some of them probably didn't. And that bad thing just happens sometimes to good people. It's the world in which we live. Ever since Genesis, ever since Genesis, uh, with the devil and the whole mess up, the whole world messed up. The whole world's messed up. And we just got to accept it. It's a hard pill to swallow. You know, I've been to the hospital and prayed. And I'm the one that will pray for your healing until we close the coffin lid. I will pray because death comes the ultimate healing. I will pray and pray and pray. I will pray for you because I believe God of miracles. But I have been to the hospital. Two people with cancer. One gets healed and one dies. Was one better than the other? No, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. It's in God's plan. But what Jesus is saying here, what Jesus is saying here, that you too are going to perish. Every person is appointed to die once. That's just the nature in the world we live in. Every person is appointed to die once, unless uh, Harold was talking about David Jeremiah, that he believes the rapture is right around the corner. Praise the Lord. How great would it be to miss the undertaker? Right? It would not just be an awesome day. But if not, we're all appointed to die. Each one of us is going to die. We don't know that day. But what Jesus is saying here, no, you don't know the day. Bad things happen to good people. Good people die. But are you ready to die? There's the question. Let me get a little Baptist with you real quick. Is your life right enough? Have you accepted Jesus? Are you living right for Jesus? Because the day could be today in which you go home and see the Lord. We're just cut to the chase. Are you living for God? Because that puts us into the next part of our parable. A certain man had a fig tree. The fig tree always represents Israel. In the, in the Bible, the fig tree is Israel. And when he talks about that comes along and he comes in for three years. Jesus' ministry was for three years in Matthew. I wrote it down here. Matthew chapter 15, 24. Jesus says that he comes to the lost sheep of Israel. His ministry was to the Jews. It filtered in sometimes to the Samaritans and the other people. The ministry after Jesus includes the Gentiles. We're the ones grafted into the into the grapevine. But Jesus' main ministry for three years was to get the Jews to repent and to be the people of God, to accept the Messiah. 
And they didn't do it. And, and so he goes along here. And this is the story really, the story is really about Israel. So look, for three years I have come seeking fruit from this fig tree. For three years, Jesus keeps coming back to Jerusalem, expecting them to repent or perish. To repent or perish. We could go back to John chapter 3, verse 9, when the, when the people of the Pharisees were there, and he's baptizing people in the water. Then he said, bro, the vipers. And then, what, what are you doing this for? And he tells them the whole story in verse chapter 3, verse 9 of Luke here. He says, the axe is already at the tree. Meaning that God is about done with you, Israel. I'm going to cut down the tree. I'm going to cut it down and move on to the next step. And the next step is as Gentiles, praise the Lord. Is that not praise the Lord? Can you not see the praise of the Lord? But so we got to ask ourselves, we are not replacement theology. We are not in replacement of Israel. We are, the church is added to Israel in the salvation plan of God. But then let's look at this individually. Let's put ourselves in the tree. You know, in Romans and also in Hebrews, it tells us that there's a day, if you sin far enough, God will take his hand off you. He will let you be who you're going to be. He will let you go and let you be. You're the, the base mind, he calls it. And whatever you want to do, just go do it. Because I'm tired of dealing with you. When we look at the Pharisee in Moses' day, a lot of people get confused about this. We also get confused about Judas, too. People are like, well, the Pharisee, you know, how, how could God use somebody like the Pharisee, the Pharaoh there, with Moses? Or how Judas? What about Judas? You know, did God really, uh, did God really uh, set this person up to fail? Is that the loving God? That's not the story, because we're looking at the history book going back. We're looking at the history book back. What God did on both of those, if you'd really understand the story of those people that God goes along the Pharaoh had every opportunity to be good to Israel. And the day that God decided he was going to deliver the Israelites out of the hands of Egypt, he took his hand off the Pharaoh and let the Pharaoh be the Pharaoh. Judas, God worked three years on Judas's heart. At the moment of time, he just took his hand off Judas's, and Judas's true personality come out. And his true personality was the test, and really, we get into this later, the testament that Jesus was really the Messiah. And he goes along there, he took his hand off of him. How would you like God to take his hand off you and your true personality show out? How much of the Holy Spirit convicts you to keep your mouth shut, to keep your mind thinking the right thing, and you know without a shadow of a doubt if the Holy Spirit wasn't in you, or at least working in your life, that you would probably be a different person today. How much do we want need God in our life with his hand upon us? But you gotta ask with the church, I would, let me do individually first. How many times, I mean, God is the God, and we're going to get into this next week uh, with, with the God of the 99 and all this other stuff with, with the parable of the lost son and the lost coin. We're going to talk about that next week. But, but how many times is God just ready to pull the plug on us? 
Man, Larry will never get his life together. He continues with the same sin. He continues with it. Or it might be Butch, it might be Tammy, it might be Joe, or, or G-Daddy, or somebody else. You know, how many times, but then God's mercy is right there. Well, maybe one more time. Maybe one more time. I'll give him another day. I'll give him another week. I'll give him another year. Praise the Lord for God's mercy. We call it in the Methodist Church a provenient grace that God is constantly, constantly wooing us to him. He wants a deeper relationship with each and every one of us here. But how often is he ready? I mean, I just wonder in my own life, there's times I'm like, God, I would have given up on me a long time ago. I would have given up, I would have smited me, or I would have just kicked me out of the house of, of God and just said, go be yourself. But praise to God, when you really start reading this Bible, well, Tammy and I do this rapid read through, and I'm telling you what, I get convicted every year. Because we're reading through the whole thing. Man, I think sometimes that I'm a pretty good preacher. I think sometimes I'm a pretty good husband, a pretty good father, or a pretty, just a pretty good community person, you know? Then I read the Word of God, and I mirror my life to the Word of God. Harold and I will talk about this, and I realize I am the same sewer ditch that I was in before. If it wasn't for God's grace and mercy, I'd be nothing. But a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people don't understand that. They think, well, you know, I pay the tithe, I go to church, I do all this stuff. But the question is, is your life bearing good fruit? Is your life bearing good fruit? When was the last time that you shared with somebody the gospel of Jesus Christ? When was the last time? That's what our whole mission in life is. We're not about programs. We're not about yard sales. We're not about all those things. Those are great things to do. and We need them for money and everything else. But the whole mission of the church is to save lost souls. Is to bring people into a relationship with Jesus. That is our sole, sole mission. Amen. And we got to go, how are we doing? So let's look at the church real quick. Let's look at the church real quick. Why do some churches just never grow? We need to be in self-examination. That's what Lent is all about, is self-examination. Self-examination, I shared on Ash Wednesday, me and four other pastors that have worked together on this walk to Emmaus journey and all this other stuff, we have done it together for 15 years, and we are still praying for the same sin that we prayed about the first time we ever worked together. And I was the one to come up with the question is, when are we going to change? We just keep kicking the same can down the road because we really like the sin, by the way. Or otherwise, we would have changed. And that's where all four of us, or three of us, the three of us were guys, we're in accountability here. What are you doing today? What are you doing? We're emailing and texting each other. Because you know what? We're tired of kicking the can. I want to be a better preacher. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better community person. I want to be better than I was last year. I want to walk closer with Jesus this year. And see, that's what Lent's about, is reflection. Not only individually, but as a church. As a church, does God have the axe at the root of our grounds? Saying, people, if you don't get your act together and get out, there's a lost world out there. I will find somebody else to do the job. If you don't cry out for Jesus, these rocks right here will. 
So where are we at? Where are we at reflection personally and personally as a church? Since we started Lent, are you closer to Jesus today than you were almost 40 days ago? We're almost done with it. Are you closer to Jesus this year than you were last year? How have you grown in Christ? If you do not have a daily Bible reading plan, a daily study, there's a difference between reading and studying. If you don't have a good study reading plan, good study plan, if you don't have a good prayer life, if you don't have a good church attendance life, if you don't have a good praising God life, I can promise you you're going backwards and you're not growing. You are the fig tree that has bared no fruit. The church, you know, when we talk about the church needs to have a good Bible study plan. I think we have an awesome Bible study plan, do we not? Harold teaches here, I teach at night. How many people take advantage of that? How many people take advantage of what's, what, what is offered here in the church? Many people sit there and think, well, I don't need all that. Do you? Do you not? Is the axe at your life. We can be thankful for one thing. One thing was when Jesus was sitting there, when God had the axe at the tree to Israel and to the world, think back, all the way back to Moses. Moses is on the mountain. He comes down. They made this golden calf. He has to go back up the mountain. And God said, Moses, step aside. I'm going to wipe them out. Just step aside. Watch what I do. Moses is the Jesus character. God can wipe them out like he ought to. Moses stepped in. This is why we have the Day of Atonement uh, in the Jewish Jewish feast. Moses says, if you're going to kill them, kill me. Jesus says, Kill me for them. If it wasn't for that, the axe of the tree would already be cut down and this world would have been over with. If it wasn't for God's grace and mercy, think about this. The son goes to the father. I know they are sinful people. I will pay the total price for that sin. Take me. God, take my body and break it for them. Jesus to the Father. I pour out my blood. (coughs) For them. For you. So the axe is not at the tree anymore. What's at the tree of our life is grace and mercy. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not accepting the gift of free life, eternal life that God has given to you. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not living a life that is pleasing to God. God offers us today the free gift of forgiveness, mercy, and grace. And he asks us to give that same free gift to others that we meet. Where are you at with your relationship with Jesus? As you come to the table today, remember Christ invites those to the table, all who love him, all who earnestly repent and repent of their sin, and all those who wish to live in peace with one another.
That's the requirement. It's not me inviting you to the table. It's not Glory inviting you to the table. It's not Harold inviting you to the table. Christ today wants to dine with you. Do you have something you need to tell the Father that's holding you back from a good relationship? I remember the days, I hated report card days because I was not a good student. I know it's hard to believe. And, uh, but report card days, but I dreaded the meal we did at the dinner table. Anything was going to be discussed was at our dinner table. The days there was bad news to discuss, I hated that days at the dinner table. I just assumed skip dinner. You know what? Because you, you had to discuss it with the Father. Today, what do you have to discuss with the Father? Great news, grace and mercy, convenient grace, justifying grace, sanctifying grace is all free. The communion rail is open. God wants to talk to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask you to bless this gift of the bread to be your body, which was broken for us. Lord, we ask you to, to bless this juice to be the blood that was poured out for us. And Lord, we just ask you to continue to be with us as a church and as a people, Lord. Take the axe and put it away. Because we want the blood of Jesus to wash us clean as snow. And Lord, we want to live a life pleasing to you when we ask for forgiveness of sins today, Lord. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I get Jeff and Harold up first, and then the music team. to come with me Butch and I will do gluten free or the shorter line
done when she talks about even the dogs under the table get the bread. There's a piece of bread dropped in there. Harold tried to pick it up and had to make it put it back down. There's a piece of bread on the floor here. You know, there's enough power in this crumb of bread to raise the dead. We have received the power of God through His Holy Communion. Will you live a life that shows that the power of God is living in you? Let us sing our last song. Page 319. Power and blood. Amen. There we go. <laughs> <laughs>